Welcome to Earth Matters here on Gila Members Community Radio, KURU 89.1 FM Silver City, and KTAL LP 101.5 FM Las Cruces. I'm Donna Stevens, your host for today's program and the Executive Director of the Upper Gila Watershed Alliance, a local nonprofit working to protect the Gila watershed through advocacy, education, and restoration. Twice monthly, we here at Earth Matters bring you conversations with people working on the ground to address climate change in the Southwest and provide you with information on how you can make a difference and help bring collective action to this global crisis. With me today to talk about wildfires in New Mexico is Tom Reby, the author of Inferno by Committee, A History of the Cerro Grande Los Alamos Fire, America's Worst Prescribed Fire. Tom is also the executive director of Caldera Action, a nonprofit that advocates for citizen participation at Valles Caldera National Preserve and Bandelier National Monument. Welcome, Tom. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could join me. Let's start off the show with some background on wildfires in the Southwest U.S. So when I decided to do an Earth Matters show on wildfires, which really impacted New Mexico this year, I remembered your essay that I had read several years ago, and it was in a compilation of essays called The Wildfire Reader, which was published in 2006. In your essay, Tom, you talked about prehistoric fire in the American Southwest. Can you give us an overview of wildfires, their frequency and intensity before white settlers moved into this area? Yeah, it's a fire has always been the key factor in the shape of the landscape in the Southwest. It's an incredibly important um, influence on the landscape. And more than I think a lot of people realize, the the landscape has been so changed uh, over the last 150 years that it's very difficult for us to imagine what it looked like before um, industrial civilization arrived in New Mexico and, and the Four Corners area. And fire was was such a common and frequent occurrence here in the past uh, before modern people, especially the U.S. Forest Service, showed up to change the way things go here, that it is, it's difficult to over, overstate how, how much things have changed. The uh, Basically, what people need to imagine, if you can, is just imagining what, what the place looked like before cattle grazing happened, before we had agencies here, before we had um, railroads and bigger cities. It used to be that grass was the dominant element in the uh, in the in the in the New Mexico environment, and I don't know. I'm I'm not as familiar with the area as far south as you all are, but you know, in central and northern New Mexico and southern Colorado, it, it it used to be that there was grass coating the valleys all the way down along the Rio Grande. Uh, the Rio Grande Valley was basically filled with perennial grasses. And those grasses continued all the way up into the into the mountains. And what would happen was either people would start a fire or 
or lightning would start a fire and it would it would spread through the grass and grass fires go very quickly and they're relatively cool they're not they're not hot like a, a forest fire is and so grass would spread widely uh grass fires would spread widely and into the forests and the forests had, had a lot of grass in them also so grass was the thing that sort of moved the moved fire around but the other thing people need to understand is that we had what were called regional fire years and this is still happening today where you we get into particularly dry periods of time and then you'll look at the entire region say the four corners region just as an example and you'll see that there's a there's a large larger number of of fires during a year or two that are were regional fire years and that's that's a, a cycle that happens and then there'll be wetter years where there's less fire and so those are the two things people need to think about is just the the movement of fire freely along around the landscape in in pre pre uh, settlement times and also the fact that it was cyclical in terms of how having intense fire years and then having years where, where there's very little fire and the the regional fire years are still happening now so you might have already answered this question uh, of what you just said, but in that essay that I was referring to from the Wildfire Reader, you said, and I quote, unquestionably, the most important ecological and environmental force in the prehistoric Southwest was fire. Do you have anything else to add to that or should we move on? Well, I think the, the thing that is, is really important is if we look at the landscape and if we look at fire from an ecological point of view, rather than it's easy for people to look at it as sort of a disaster or a bad thing that's happening. Uh, fire in the past was a, an incredibly important ecological force. So what it was doing was favoring some plants and discouraging others. It was, uh, killing a lot of small trees in the forest so that the trees didn't get overpopulated. And it was um, different plant species respond to fire differently. So it would, it would create the, it would force the ecosystem to a certain state because plants would respond differently to fire. And that's, that's the thing that's most important to understand is it people talk about, well, let's, let's go out and thin the forests. And, and thinning is is fine. I'm not opposed to thinning, but when you do something like that, it's it's uh, it's not an ecological process. Per se. I mean, it, it has an ecological effect, but it's not the same as having fire, which is selective in in what it does on the landscape, both good and bad. So uh, that's the way I look at fire. I look at it as as an ecological process rather than a rather than a on a bad event or something that we want to avoid. And that's, that's, I guess that's what I was talking about there. Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about historic fire suppression. When did it begin and how has it affected the frequency and the intensity of wildfires? It's safe to say that when the U S forest service basically arrived in, in the Southwest in about 1903, you know that the the agencies, the federal agencies, were all constructed basically in the except for the except for the National Park Service were created in the late eighteen hundreds, and the Forest Service arrived here in the Gila region and also the northern mountains of New Mexico and throughout the throughout the western states. 
they created the forest reserves. And, and the one of the first things that the Forest Service decided its job to do was to start putting out forest fires. They thought the, the focus in those days was very commodity oriented. And their idea was we're, we are going to uh, create uh, timber opportunities. We're going to log in the in the West. So we need to protect trees. So the most important thing for us to do is to put out fires so that trees are protected because we're going to focus on them as a sort of a commodity. I mean, the Forest Service was doing a bunch of other stuff too, but that was a piece of their thinking. And so they started to put out fires. And naturally, they weren't they didn't have the sort of infrastructure that we have now for putting out fires. They were pretty rough with it. They would come and get volunteers from the local community and say, we've got to run out here and put out this fire that lightning just started. And in those days, it was probably pretty easy to do that because the fuel buildups weren't very much yet. So anyway, what, what happened was that was the big deal. But that also brought this mentality into the into the population where people were thinking we need to we need to be putting out fire. Fire is a bad thing. So we've got to put it out. And that, as I said, was was about 1903, basically, when that started. But it it became a, a huge thing. And the agencies, all of the both state and federal agencies decided that putting out fire was effectively a really important thing that they needed to be doing in a very serious way, all the way up into the 1970s and 80s when they started to question that. But it took them a long time to to, to um, really seriously question it and begin to change policy later on. So uh, thank you for that. In addition to fire suppression, Tom, what are some other factors that have changed wildfires in the West? You know, how they behave, how intense they are. What else has changed? Well, there's a couple of things when you it's it's all human oriented, of course, the things that are going on. Um, I would say the biggest factor that's changed fire behavior in the West throughout the West is uh, well, we can just focus on the drier West, the Pacific Northwest and the wet areas where I used to live. That's a very different picture. So we'll kind of leave that out of this. But the drier West, meaning the Rockies and the Southern Rockies and the and the southern deserts where we are all familiar the the biggest factor that really changed things was livestock grazing and it's it changed the fuels it changed the way fire can spread around the landscape and granted on one hand we're talking about people putting fire out but nevertheless fires do happen and it as I mentioned at the beginning of this it used to be that fires spread through grass easily now grass is is mostly heavily impacted by livestock. And that changes the way fire behaves very substantially, but it also changes the forests. If you have a thick bed of grass in the Ponderosa pine forest and places like the Gila is a, is a good example, those grasses are going to burn frequently. And a lot of the small trees that get started inside those grass beds are gonna get killed by fire. So what fire does is it's a population control, and it kept the forests from getting overpopulated with too many trees. And that is a so once we got livestock grazing in here, that completely changed the structure of the forests and the lowlands, the valleys, uh, when the grass was removed or cropped down so low that it no longer carried fire. 
So sometimes we hear people, and I have to say it's mostly livestock producers who say this, that, quote, grazing prevents blazing, unquote. What's your response to that? Well, it, that's a, an understandable thing for people to say. Uh, it's 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 not an ecological view. It's a commodity-oriented view of the land. And it's the same thing where that we're having with loggers who are saying, well, the best thing we can do is do a bunch of logging and cut down a lot of trees out in the woods. And that way, that way the forests will be will have less uh, fuels when when fire comes. These are commodity oriented people. They're twisting things around to serve their point of view, which is understandable, uh, but it's it's not an ecological point of view. And I would say that. Uh, having flashy fuels that carry low intensity fire uh, is a good thing. And having uh, grasses and other forbs all cropped off by, by livestock is a tremendous ecological impact that has far reaching consequences, both for wildlife and for the behavior of fire and for the structure of the plant communities. So I, I don't, I don't buy that. I'm, especially in the dry southwest i it's um the best thing to do and what we what the what we're trying to do in the Valles caldera national preserve for example is replace livestock with fire fire is the way that grasslands get replenished and re re um reinvigorated and, and grazing does, does not have at all the same effect right so i mean in my experience uh well i i I actually went up to a fire many years ago. There was a fire that started in the Gila National Forest, and it was a low intensity fire, kind of the way a cool fire, so to speak. And I mean, I could walk right up to it because it was a small fire and it was burning through the grass. But if there isn't any grass to burn through, then, you know, a lot of times the fires can go up into the crowns of the trees and become what we consider to be catastrophic, right? Yeah, and I would say that that's right. And one little point I'd make is that the Gila National Forest has been one of the most progressive and most advanced organizations in the country in terms of reintroducing good fire, especially into the Gila wilderness. And so you're really lucky to be there, and it's wonderful that you can experience that. And I would encourage people to go out in the in summers, not unlike the one we had this year when the Black Fire was going but it's it's wonderful to watch these fires just sort of running around out there and doing good things for the land and you find out how unscary they are how really it's a it's a it's a beautiful process i've worked on many many prescribed fires over the years and it's it's an amazing thing to observe but the other thing is the pine needles pine needles are a really big deal if you don't have grass and you don't have frequent fire, you get beds of pine needles built up in pine forests, and those are extremely flammable. And uh, if you've had fire suppressed for a long time, there you'll get thickets of young trees underneath the pine forests. You get the, all those pine needles building up, and the response that fire has to that is to burn hotter and to climb, as you just mentioned, up into the treetops through these little thickets of young trees that are at the bases of the bigger trees. So in order to pr protect the big trees, we need to have frequent fire on the ground that will uh, move them, uh, kill a lot of the smaller trees and, and burn up those ponderosa pine needles beds and, and recycle the nutrients. 
Well, uh, we need to take a short break here, but we'll be right back uh, to talk more about wildfires with writer Tom Reby. So please stay tuned. <laughs> 